the Haute-Provence Observatory. It lies in the middle of this hilly landscape close to the village of Saint-Michel-Observatoire in the south of France. It's here that two Swiss scientists made one of the most exciting discoveries in the history of astronomy. They found the first planet outside our solar system. Call them exoplanets, and that one from the mid-90s, I think 95 to be precise, 1995, an exoplanet. They've found more since. And the University of Georgia reporting this week that they have found one. They, the folks in the Franklin College at the University of Georgia, the physics and astronomy department there, a doctoral student in that department joining us now. He was, in fact, the lead author on the study that details this discovery, this astronomical discovery, Jason Terry. Jason Terry, thanks for your time this morning. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, I want to jump right into this and, and, and say this up front here. I, as a kid growing up, uh, I, I was fascinated and continue to be fascinated by the topic of astronomy. However, as I got older and got into high school, you know, I, I wanted to be an astronomer, right? And what I found out was that astronomy is just really math, and I'm really bad at math, so I went into something else, and it turned into whatever this is. But you folks using math and other techniques and other technologies in scouting the skies and finding these planets that exist outside our solar system, it's not as simple as gazing up into the night sky, well, there's Venus, there's Mars. You can't do that this way. What do you do? Sure, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so there's been a lot of different techniques to find planets over the years. What we're doing now is sort of a, a more modern technique that's looking at uh, specifically forming planets. So what we do is we look at uh, observations of a disk, a protoplanetary disk, which is where uh, planets form. And we can see that planets perturb the dust and the gas, and it, it changes the motion of the disk. As you can imagine, a planet's plowing through a disk, things are going to change how they move. And that has a very characteristic signature. And so we use the observational data to go through and flip through all these images and uh, see if that signature is present. And if so, attempt to recreate it with simulations. And if we can, then we're pretty confident that it uh, is a planet. And what was sort of novel about what we did here is rather than manually flip through all of these hundreds, thousands of images in order to find the tiny little feature is we use machine learning models that we had trained uh, in order to isolate those features. And so it sped up the process dramatically and it gave us results very quickly. All right, so you use that artificial intelligence we're all supposed to be worried about uh, in, in coming <laughs> up with this. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And you know, I'm not worried about it because right now it's funding me, but... Um, you know, maybe I'll eat those words in the future. But yes, that was uh, that was one of the main purposes of the project. Our original intent wasn't necessarily to find a planet. It sure would have been nice. Um, but we really wanted to demonstrate as a proof of concept that machine learning can be applied uh, to observational astronomy to find planets that humans might miss. And then it turned out when we went and applied it to previously analyzed data, we found a planet that people had missed. Uh, so our proof of concept sort of turned into an actual result. Uh, for lack of a better way to ask the question, Jason Terry here, doctoral student, the Franklin College of Arts and Sciences, its Department of Physics and Astronomy. Uh, heck of a way to ask this question. Where is this and how far away is it? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a few hundred light years away. So it's in the galaxy and, you know, kind of in the same neighborhood in galactic terms. 
uh, but uh, you know you couldn't you couldn't go set up your outdoor telescope and and see it. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of nearby in the galaxy, um, but we're. You know, we're not going to visit anytime soon. Now, in terms of what we, and I always say this, and I've said this since I was a little kid, I was, I think, wise enough to understand this, even when some of the adults around me didn't. I don't understand why we're wasting money going to the moon, that kind of stuff. Even as a kid, I knew and I understood, well, wait a minute, it's not going to the moon. It's what you learn on the way and and the things that you figure out and problems you can solve and and going and coming back and coming back safely and, and all the technology that flows from that. That said, there was a lot of practice practical benefit and continues to be for some of these uh, space exploration efforts in which we engage. What's the practical benefit here? Right, you found another planet. All right, they're at nine or eight, depending on how you count Pluto, in our solar system, and we know that they exist elsewhere. You found one more. Yay, hooray. What's the practical benefit here? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well phrased. Um, so uh, for astronomers, I like to think there's a practical benefit here in that we've given another tool to uh, help justify the expense and time that the public has invested in us, as you described. Uh, but in terms of broader society, uh, I think your example of the moon mission is a good one because uh, astronomy has, as you mentioned, the reputation of people staring into the stars while the world burns. Um, but it also has had a pretty influential impact on modern society as well in terms of just general daily technology you know wi-fi modern uh digital cameras uh adaptive optics all of that stuff was invented by astronomers in order to solve these difficult observational problems and pretty much by design what we're presenting is difficult observational problems we found this planet that was very hard to see and we're going to be asking hopefully for follow-up observations and so we can imagine this sort of feedback where our models, our methods uh, create opportunities for very difficult observations to be done, which will spur potentially uh, new inventions, new methods, um, new technologies that will be able to tackle these uh, difficult challenges. So I can't, you know, I can't predict whether or not we'll invent Wi-Fi 2.0 hmm. um, based off of this, and I would, I would um, seriously doubt it if we did, but. Um, I can say that we are presenting the astronomical world and therefore the technological world with more opportunities to create uh, new technologies to solve difficult problems that we're that we're helping. Well, yeah, about that, Jason Terry at UGI reached over, grabbed my iPhone, my iPhone 12, as it turns out. There's more computing power in my hand at this moment than was on the spacecraft that carried Neil Armstrong to the moon and back. That That is fascinating to me to ponder that point and to consider. And one of the things that I think this is true of us, it's always been true of us as a species. I mean, we're always curious what's over the next hill. That's why those Age of Explorers sailors got on those rickety ships and traversed oceans. And, and the next hill in this case is space. I mean, it seems to me that is where the next front, the, the quote Star Trek and that famous, and that's the next frontier, final or otherwise. And you folks, you're not hopping on spacecraft anytime soon, but you are staring into telescopes and doing that. What's the role of astronomy in all of this? Sure, sure. That's a, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, uh, we are in an interesting field in that we, we are doing 
exoplanetary research, you know, when it, whenever you talk about exoplanets to people, their their first thought is, oh, you know, aliens <laughs> go to other planets, interstellar, all that sort of stuff. Um, and sure, that is uh, a large part of the field, um, but that's that's not necessarily what we're looking at. We're looking at planet formation. Um, so we're not telling you, you know, this is where you should take your spaceship. But what we are trying to find out is saying, all right, what are the process through which uh, planets form, solar systems form? Uh, what uh, what factors go into making these things habitable? You know, um, and so what we're what we're trying to do is just give a toolbox to help people understand uh, what exactly planets are, how they're made, um, and. I mean, in the far future, maybe one could say which planets you might visit. Um, but I don't know. You, you try not to look that far sure. ahead, right? Um, we're, we're not going to be alive to visit any of these planets, certainly. Well, let's talk um, about your immediate future quickly and in closing here. Doctoral student at the University of Georgia, as, as I'm learning here and reading at WGAUradio.com. Uh, you you got to have the easiest thesis in history. It's like, dude, I found a planet. Give me my doctorate. <laughs> what do you got to do with that once you get it? <laughs> yeah, I, I wish it was that easy. It's hard to uh, fill out a hundred pages with uh, <laughs> "Dude, I found a planet." I guess you could just write it a lot, but um, uh, yeah. I, afterwards, I hope to stick around in academia. Um, the traditional move would to be uh, do a postdoc after this, um, so some sort of postdoctoral appointment if I can get one. Um, not sure where our community spans the globe, so just wherever. An interesting project pops up with someone that will accept me. I'll, I'll throw my hat in. Um, but right now, I'm just focused on writing those hundred pages. <laughs> Good luck with that, and best of luck moving forward. Jason Terry, the Franklin College of Arts and Sciences, the Department of Physics and Astronomy, and the lead author on this study, this discovery of this planet. Very quickly, and I, I don't know if you'll know this, but I'll ask anyway. I, I would get notices from time to time that the observatory at UGA is open to the public some night or other, come down and stare into telescopes. I haven't received those in a while. I don't know if that's something you still do. Is that something that kind of went by the boards with the pandemic and the response to it, or is that a thing again? Well, this is actually an incredibly timely time to ask that question. Um, so the telescope has been under maintenance issues for quite some time. COVID sure didn't help. Um, but we are becoming increasingly hopeful that the telescope will be in uh, use. It will be in a – yeah, it will, it will be use, usable in the near future, in which case if that actually happens, which I think there's a pretty good chance, uh, we hope to have the public nights once again. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily be looking for them, not necessarily this year, but I think in the in the near future those will start happening. I certainly hope so. Jason Terry, best of luck. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. You have a good one.